0: we want to look at how Jesus did evangelism. That's really what the first part of this story is about, as we have Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria. And so we want to focus on that. And I have a couple more videos just to whet your appetite. Not the same, but uh, three different individuals, because I want you to know that these resources are there on the internet. If you go to YouTube you can look for various ways and creative ideas for sharing the gospel. But before we go there, if you will stand with me and let's read together the first 14 verses of John chapter 4. John 4, 1 through 14. You know the drill. I'll read the white print if you'll join me in reading the yellow. John 4, 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink,' for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, "'How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman?' You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Thank you, and please be seated. Most of us have probably heard about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that Jesus interacted with, and perhaps you have read this and studied it in the past. The first part of the story really focuses on the, in, the initial interaction that takes place between Jesus and this woman. And I see three principles that are helpful for you and me, a challenge, really, to you and me, in terms of how we reach out to people around us. First of all, we need to be intentionally available. We need to be available. Jesus travels to Galilee, and so we read in the story that he had to pass through Samaria. So as he's leaving the area of Judea in the south and heading north, John tells us he had to pass through Samaria. And there's an emphasis in the verse. He had to pass. It wasn't just, well, you have to go that way to get there. The Greek text says it was necessary for him to go this way. And so he had to pass through Samaria, and he came to the city of Sychar. Now, this is not normal, and I want to show you why. If we look at the map of this area, you'll see that um, Galilee is up here in the north. This is Judea, and Jerusalem is right down in here. And Jesus, as we saw at the end of chapter 3, is um, in the southern area He went, remember, and he camped next door to John the Baptist's ministry. And during that period of time, the days or weeks that he was there, the disciples of John the Baptist were all brought over to Jesus. And that's what it meant at the beginning of the verse when it says that when when Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was making more disciples than John, Jesus withdrew. Now, Galilee is up here. All right, in this area. And if you're going to go from uh, Judea, where Jesus is, to Galilee, the normal route would be to go straight up. Um, Samaria is over here to the left. And there are three reasons why you would not go to Samaria if you were going from Judea to Galilee. The first reason is just physical ease of travel. All right? If you walk along the Jordan River, there are roadways and pathways and it's relatively level. The Jordan River is below sea level. And to the left, as you look at the map, or to the right eventually, you have to go into mountains. Now, they're not the Rocky Mountains, uh, but Jerusalem down here that we just looked at is at 3,000 feet elevation, so you go from below sea level to 3,000 feet. And if you're going to go to Samaria, you have to go this way to get there, up and down and up and down. Thirdly, the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line, right? You remember your geometry 101. And so for three reasons, Jesus and almost all of the Jewish people would never go Samaria. They would go simply straight up as they follow the Jordan River going up into Galilee. So when John says it was that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, it wasn't because that was the best route. It wasn't because that's where the bus went. Uh, It wasn't because um, of other things. It was because he wanted to make himself available. He wanted to interact with this woman. So he travels to Galilee. Excuse me, to Samaria. And so when he gets to Samaria, he sits by the well of Jacob. And so we read in the story that that Jesus is sitting down. It's about the middle of the day, probably about noontime. And his disciples have gone into the city to buy food. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm I'm with a group of you and you're going to go to uh, Panera or or someplace else to get something to eat, I'm in, right? I want to go. And that would be the norm for Jesus to do that. But instead, he sits by the well. He stays outside the city in a place that people would come and would congregate. Everybody had to go to the well. They didn't have running water, and so it was necessary for The women usually, although servants could do it as well, to come to the well to draw water, to take that water, and then use it for the home needs and so forth. And so Jesus has stationed himself in a place that people have to come. Now, the text just tells us that this Samaritan woman came to the well. It doesn't tell us whether other people came to the well or not. It may well have been that there were several people who came, But for some reason, John just focuses on the one and doesn't tell us about the possibilities of other individuals. And so all we have is Jesus making himself available to whoever would come to the well. And we have him then entering into this conversation. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to make yourself available to meet people. Ways that you could do that, for example, go to the food court at the mall. Now, that's not quite as popular today as it was a little over a year ago, but it's going to come back, and so there will be places to congregate. Or maybe it's the lunchroom at work. Maybe you have a tendency to eat in your office or to go out for a walk or something, to be alone at lunchtime. A lot of us like to do that because we're interacting with people and so forth, and so we've The tendency is to I want to get out and have some alone time. Uh, Or maybe I want to catch up on my Bible reading at lunchtime. I I don't know what the situation is. But you can make yourself available to people. Sit in a spot where people will come and somebody may sit down next to you. Or perhaps um, the doctor's office in a waiting room. You have a doctor's appointment. You have a dental appointment. You have various things happening. And so as you go and sit there Make yourself available. Make yourself accessible as you reach out to people as you Begin to interact with them or maybe you're riding a bus or you're part of a carpool Or maybe there are other ways that you can do this you can come up with hundreds of creative ways to make yourself available. You know where people um, traverse in your area. You know what your neighbors are involved in. If you know that some neighbors are usually outside walking at a certain hour, then you can go out and walk at the same hour. There's all sorts of things that we can do to make that happen. Now, there's a certain fear involved in this, right? And I want to talk to you about the fear. Well, I don't. I have somebody else who wants to talk to you about the fear. And so um, John's going to show us.
1: Have you ever wanted to share your faith, but you didn't know how to start? It's not that you don't want to share the gospel or talk about your faith, it's just the getting started part that's intimidating. Now, I know some people have no problem with quoting scripture out of nowhere, really loudly in the middle of a crowd, lunch table, or work meeting, but it's pretty safe to say that's not for everyone. So, for the rest of us, the answer to how do you get the conversation going is actually pretty simple. Allow others to start the conversation for you. Think about it. How often are you asked the questions, how are you, or what did you do over the weekend, or do you have any plans for this weekend? An easy way to share your faith with anyone is simply to answer their questions with spiritually focused answers. When somebody asks, how are you, say, I am blessed. If somebody asks about what you did over the weekend, make sure to mention you went to church and maybe tell them something interesting the pastor said. When somebody asks, do you have any plans for this weekend be sure to share why you're looking forward to going to church. Maybe it's the music, maybe it's the message, maybe you can even invite them to go with you. When you give spiritually focused answers to simple everyday questions you create easy opportunities to talk about your faith. In 2 Corinthians 4, 13, Paul says, I believed, and so I spoke. If you, like Paul, believe in the power and promises of God, look and pray for opportunities to talk about him. Once you do, you'll be surprised how easy it is to steer a conversation to talk about your faith, and that's today's Bible Munch. If this devotional was encouraging, could you give it a thumbs up to let me know? Please share it with some of your friends.
0: So, it's a matter of us being intentional, isn't it? We're intentionally available, but we're also intentionally looking for opportunities to share things. I was on the phone with um, with someone f- uh, from an insurance company this week, <clears throat> and as we finished up our business on the phone, she said to me, as folks usually do on the phone, um, "Enjoy the rest of your day." This was Friday afternoon, so she said, "Enjoy your weekend," and I said, "I will try to do that." I said. And you be sure to go to church this weekend and she said i will um online and i said no it's time for you to get back to church and she said um well i think i will probably go online virtually and i said okay so she'll think about that i don't know maybe she'll change her mind and go to church There are various kinds of things that we can do where we can interject things to open up the conversation. If we're thinking that way, and that's deliberately what Jesus was doing, right? So secondly, we want to be infectiously amenable, infectiously amenable. It looks like my battery. I think it's a battery. So um, we'll continue while we get some batteries. To be infectiously amenable. Jesus says to the woman in a very natural way. He's sitting by a well. And as she comes to the well to draw water, that provides an opportunity for him. And so he says, uh, give me a drink. He asks her for a drink of water. Nothing could be more natural, right, for him to do that. Then just say to give me a drink, and that's what he does as um, as he meets the woman there at the well. All right, thank you, Phil. So we're going to do this. Thank you. Is that better? Sound good? Are we on? Okay. Very good. So, he's, Jesus says to... Yeah, Not nice on? One. Testing, one, two. One, two. Give me that thing. Okay. Let's give me your backup. Thank you. All right. So, so anyhow, anyhow okay. Jesus asked a, a woman for a drink. drink. And um, that's just a natural thing to do. And so we can be natural in terms of the conversation. We don't have to, as the fellow said in that l- last clip, you don't have to stand up in the middle of the lunchroom, climb up on a table and start quoting verses. All right? most of us are not gonna do that and probably it's a good thing we don't. But we can engage people in the natural realm. We can, if somebody asks for help, for example, at the office, we can say, I- I'd be glad to help you, you know, God has helped me so much. Right away, it opens the possibility of conversation. And so Jesus asks for a drink, and um, he's looking for ways to interact, for ways to connect. And that's what we're really after when we are engaged in conversation. And so uh, Jesus does that with this woman. Well. As he engages her along this line, she responds because it's an unusual thing. He has crossed the cultural lines, hasn't he? He's spoken to a woman, which would be not the norm. And he has spoken to a Samaritan, and that definitely was not the norm. And John tells us right in the text that the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And so what we find is that Jesus has reached across cross what would not normally take place. Now, he's done it in a very um, inoffensive way. He's done it in a way that doesn't, um, that doesn't cross any wrong kinds of lines. He just simply asks for a drink. But she right away picks up on that and says, why would you do that for me? In the same way, in our earlier illustration about Steve with a snowblower, people might say, well, why would you do that for me? And um, sometimes they, they think you wanna, you wanna make money from it or other types of things, but we're just reaching out to be loving and neighborly. And so when Jesus crosses that line, it raises the opportunity then as, as he piques the curiosity of this woman. And she is surprised by his interest in her, by his willingness to ask for a drink. And she goes on to say that, um, th- that she she's un- doesn't understand why this has taken place. So we want to be genuine but unusual. We want to be in the real world. We don't want to be disconnected from what's going on around us but we wanna be thinking a step ahead. We wanna be asking, how can I say something or do something that would signal an interest in spiritual things or that would start a relationship or that would open the door? I, I don't know about you, but I find, I find it's really hard right now because you go in a store, we're all masked going in stores, and when you go down the aisle, People cross over to go the other way, don't they? If they see you coming, they lower their eyes and they keep going. So we need to do things to reach out to people. That's what Jesus was doing in the process here. And um, I wanna share with you some non-creepy ways of doing this, all right? So we have another little video, another sample of what you can find on the internet. (laughs)
2: When it comes to talking about their faith, people often say to me, I think my friends may be more open to what I'm learning about God, but I really don't know how to articulate exactly what I believe. Or, I rarely talk to my friends or coworkers about my faith because I don't want them to feel like I'm cramming it down their throats. Whatever that means, right? You hear that one a lot. Let me give you one cool thing that I like to do that has never been weird or perceived poorly by others in my life when I've done this. Instead of starting out a conversation about religion and Christianity by beginning with what we don't believe in common with another person and then debating about that with them or going after some specific sin that I've observed in their life, like I'm their judge or something, I love pointing out how someone is an example of the kingdom of God breaking in or how something they did reminds me of Jesus or what God is really like. It's a powerful experience for them. Most people have never experienced anything like that. And a humble and surprising form of evangelism as you connect their life directly to God's plans and purposes. Let me give you an example or two. I once told a good friend of mine who's an atheist that the knowledge and wisdom with which he conducted his business was was incredible to me. I said that I believe that all wisdom comes from God. And then I added, and I think you've got God-given wisdom, and it reminds me of what God is like at times. Well, I thought he was gonna fall over. It changed him a little, right there on the spot, and it forever changed our relationship a lot. Another time, I told a dear neighbor that the way she had laid down some of her preferences so that she could bless one of my daughters in a particular situation, really reminded me of the way that Jesus had laid his life down for us. Well, she was blown away. She goes, (laughs) I don't know, kind of flattered and flustered. I'll have to think about that. You see, we've never looked into the face of another person that is not an image bearer of God. No matter what they've done in their life, no matter how broken, filthy, addicted, violent, or confused they may seem, God's image is never completely marred or removed from them, or from you or I for that matter. Pointing out how they still show what God is like in some small area of their life will be truly good news to them and a bridge to further conversations, I promise. So if you've been afraid to share your faith with others or just not sure where to start, the next best time to point out some good news in a person's life is now.
0: And you see something in a person, and you can admire that. Connect it to Jesus. Connect it to God in some way. That's what he's saying. And as we do that, we have the opportunity then to reinforce good things in people. Um, a neighbor might—I I have a neighbor the other day that brought a trash can and put it by the garage door because the wind was blowing. Uh, the various kinds of things, little things like that, to big things, perhaps ways that we can connect with people, and that's what—that's what Jesus was doing here. It's not—we you know, we tend to look at this story, right? We we look at Jesus and sitting at the well with the woman, and we say, "Wow, that's amazing! That's awesome! Jesus did such a wonderful thing!" I, but. I never sit by a well. I could never do that. I've never been to Samaria or whatever. But actually, we have. It is a part of our lives on a daily basis. And so we need to understand that we need to be intentionally available. We need to be infectiously amenable. We need to be friendly. And we need to, we need to build into people's lives. And then thirdly, we need to be intelligently aggressive. Intelligently aggressive. You have to change the subject, there's no getting around it. It's absolutely essential that you change the subject, and that's what Jesus does, doesn't he? When she says, you would ask me for a drink, knowing the divide between us, his response isn't, I really need a drink, or I have a right to ask you for a drink, or some other way of defending himself, Instead, he jumps, doesn't he? He makes that jump. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him for a drink. And she goes, whoa. And you know the rest of the story in terms of her response at this point. He changes the subject. Now, it's not changed totally, It's still contextual, but he jumps to the spiritual aspect of things. And that's what we need to do in the process, because he wants to discuss spiritual things. He's not really interested in a drink of water. He'll take the drink. And sometimes we do things for people, and we're not necessarily really interested in those things, but we'll do that because of our concern for the individual and because we want to find an opportunity to share Jesus with them. And we don't know how far we'll be able to go, but he looks for a way to engage her spiritually And in the same way, we look for the opportunity to engage individuals on a spiritual basis. We don't just want to talk about baseball. But if you have somebody who wants to talk about baseball, you could say, you know what? I think Jesus would have been a baseball fan. He believed in home runs. He made a run to home. Well, that's a little corny maybe. But hey, sometimes when you change the subject, it's awkward. And it feels really awkward to us. But people change the subject with you all the time, don't they? You're engaged in a conversation and somebody makes a comment and you say, where did that come from? Because that's, that's just the way we are. We're human beings and there's nothing wrong with changing the subject, especially when you're trying to change the subject to go to a spiritual subject. And sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes, uh, a Fran and I talk about this sometimes when we're riding along the car about... Sometimes we say things and we feel really dumb saying those things. But the Lord opens the door through those things to be able to talk to individuals. And so you just have to get comfortable with that. So Jesus says to her, if you knew who it was, you would have asked me. And her response is, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where would you get this living water and what that reveals is a willingness on her part to engage the discussion doesn't it it reveals that she caught the change and that she's now focused on the different aspect of the discussion it's no longer about well how big of a drink do you want or why do I have to give you a drink of water it's now about where would you get this water? I even thought, you know, it's possible for us to say, I don't know how this will go over. I'd be interested in your response after the service. But it's possible that you could say to a friend, if you knew who I was, you would ask me about getting to heaven. Now, that, that would be a major switch in the conversation, wouldn't it? But you have the answer, right? Let's try that again. You have the answer, right? About getting to heaven. And if people knew that you knew how to get to heaven, and and they knew that that it was something that God gave because of his love for them, they should be asking you and me about this. And so, in a sense, we're just like Jesus, but maybe we don't quite have that authority, although some of you will. Some of you will have the boldness to be able to do that. Some of us are bolder than others. It's not about how bold you are. It's about how loving you are and how you want to reach out to people around you to share the gospel with them. So Jesus changes the subject, and the woman's response indicates that she is willing to engage that new subject, doesn't it? And that leads the way for him then to share with her and for her eventually to be born again and come into the family of God. Now, we're not gonna talk a lot about the water itself this week, we'll get into that because the conversation continues. The main point before us today is this process of engaging people. And so this woman takes it a step further. She says, where would you get the water? And then she says, you're not greater than Jacob, are you? And that opens the door for further discussion on Jesus' part. That's really what it's all about. It's all about being intentional in sharing the gospel of Jesus however the Spirit of God makes it possible for us. And so finally, this this, uh, openness on her part paves the way and Jesus begins to share. He doesn't give her all the answers right away. Instead, he keeps it... So there's a little bit of curiosity on her part. And that's a, that's a trick. That's sort of a way to master the thing. Don't worry about whether you can do that or not. Just simply engage the process involved here. And Jesus offers her then this eternal life. One more video I want to show you before we wrap up. Because it's critical for you and me to change the subject It's the only way that we are going to engage people and invite them to know the Jesus that we know and the heaven that we know. We live in a world of dehydrated people who would rather die of thirst than to humbly um, present themselves before God. And so it's important for us to have this water and to share it with others. So, I want to take you to this final video. It's very brief about overcoming fear that's involved in the process. And again, it shows you some of the things that you can find on the web. This is a seminary professor, so we've gone from- In terms of dealing with fear and evangelism,
3: I think the starting point is to realize that not all fear is bad. Uh, Fear reminds us of the significance of the task of sharing the gospel. It's not something we should take lightly, and and it also forces us to depend on the Lord. And in that case, fear can be a very helpful thing. But most of the time when people talk about fear and evangelism, they're, they're talking about a fear that keeps them from sharing. Three common fears that that I've observed. The first is not knowing enough. They're they're afraid they're going to be asked a question that they can't answer. And I I tell people, you don't need to be afraid of that. That will happen. I have two master's degrees and a PhD in theology. And my own kids ask me questions that I couldn't answer. I would just stand up tall and clear my throat and say, go ask your mother. It's okay to say, I don't know the answer to a question. Or let me research that and get back to you. Uh, A second common source of fear. People are afraid of the fear of failure. Uh, They're afraid that they might do more harm than good. But whenever I hear someone share that they're afraid they'll do more harm than good, I always think that's not your problem. They're a sensitive person. They're, They're not going to come across like a bull in a china shop. It's the person that never gives sensitivity a second thought that may come across as aggressive. But when someone says, I'm afraid I'll do more harm than good, that's not their problem. They, they don't need sensitivity. They may need boldness. But I love Dr. Bill Bright's definition of evangelism. He said, successful witnessing is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. We can't change anyone's hearts. Successful witnessing is when we share the good news. I guess the greatest source of fear, if people were really honest, is fear of rejection. They're afraid, what will this person think about me if, if I identify with Christ? Uh, I think of the rulers that John talked about in, in John chapter 12, said many of the rulers believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees were not confessing him, lest they be cast out of the temple. And then in John 12:43, he gives this epitaph for they love the approval of men more than the approval of God. we have to confront that our fear of rejection is really loving the approval of men more than the approval of God. We we need to love those who don't know Christ more than we love ourselves. In Acts chapter four, we see that the disciples were afraid. They'd been threatened and they were afraid. And so what did they do? They prayed for boldness. I believe that's a prayer that God delights to answer. When we're afraid, we simply acknowledge that and say, God, I'm afraid. I'm I'm scared right now. Would you fill me with boldness? That's a prayer that God loves to answer. Someone described it in this way. Fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and there was no one there.
0: Thanks for watching, Honest Answers. Hopefully these videos will be helpful to you as we reinforce the whole idea of just simply sharing because we love people. It's a matter of us remembering that um, personal evangelism requires being intentionally um, interventional. We have to reach out to people. We have to understand that people around us are headed for an eternity apart from Jesus. And it's not a pleasant place if they're going. And so three things that I would share. Number one, ask God to give you contacts. Pray that he would bring people across your path. When you sit in the lunchroom or wherever it is that you go, ask him to bring people across your path. And then just ask the Spirit of God for words. You don't know how many times I've done that where I've been involved in a conversation and I just say, Lord, help me. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to broach the subject. But but help me to say something that will point this conversation toward Jesus. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through His Son, Jesus Christ.